this is the Versatex Community Podcast. Welcome back. This is your host, Brian Abdallah. Last week, I went to Charleston, South Carolina. If you've been there, it's an amazing place. If you haven't, you gotta go. And a lot of cool architecture, uh, cool, great food, and you're right on the water. I got a chance to get on Kiwa Island and look at some projects using Versatex and our products, different types of applications. Um, more importantly, I sat down with Mr. Bill Huey of Bill Huey & Associates. They are an architecture firm. Uh, our, their home office is uh, in Johns Island, but they work all over the Charleston area, Kiwa Island, downtown. They work with residential architecture, commercial, historical preservation. I had a blast sitting down with Bill, as he likes to be called, and uh, just you know, kicking back through conversation, understanding where he comes from and his passion for architecture and that path and what that looks like for him and what he went through. It was an awesome conversation. I can't wait for you guys to listen to it. Make sure you follow him at Bill Huey, that architecture and Instagram. That is B-I-L-L-H-U-E-Y dot architecture. Check out his projects. Give him a like. Throw a comment in there. And uh, yeah, here's the convo. Enjoy. This is the Versatex Community Podcast. We are here in Charleston, South Carolina with one and only Bill Huey. Uh, He is a uh, full-service architecture firm here, and uh, you've probably seen a lot of his work in a lot of cool places. And uh, one place in particular here is Kiwa Island is where you do a lot of things. You've done uh, historical projects in in Charleston as well. Yes, we have. Um, But, yeah, welcome. Thank you, Brian. This this is great. Yeah, this is awesome. Thank you. We also have Rich Maurer with us. Good to see you, Bill. Yeah, you as well. Always good to spend time with you. Yeah, you as well. Thank you. Yeah, so Rich Maurer is with Versatex. He's a regional sales manager. So, so Bill, can I call you Bill? You can call me Bill. That's what everybody else does. Mr. Huey. No. I call I call him no. the world's most interesting architect. No. Look at this guy. No, 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 no. Just just call me Bill. So, Thank you. So, Bill, why don't you uh, introduce yourself for the, some of the viewers um, and for me too? Like, I'm interested, um, kind of the territory here, yeah. um, and the type of work that your firm does. Well, um, we I got here to Charleston actually in I moved here in 1987. Um, I went to Clemson University in the 80s. Um, I met a young lady there. She was from here. And when it came time to figure out where to settle down, there's an old saying that Charleston girls don't leave Charleston, and that is true. So here I am. Uh, But also being uh, interested in architecture, um, it's the place to be, really, for me. So... The good thing for me about working in Charleston is there's so many good opportunities here to do so many different kinds of things. Um, We have, obviously, the historic district that Charleston is known for, and we do plenty of projects down there, preservation projects. Um, But we also have a pretty thriving new home market here. Um, Some of it is resort-related. For example, Kiowa Island um, is one of our big markets. And um, we're able to do um, very high-end custom residential homes out there. Um, and over the years, it's happened that I've sort of settled into more of the residential architect mode. Although I have done commercial projects, I've done a hotel from the ground up, um, but 
I've gravitated toward, toward what I liked, which is residential architecture. So that's primarily what, what our focus is right now. That's awesome. Uh, thanks for sharing that, by the way. And so what I want to, you sent, you had, I sent you the, the list of questions I wanted you to think about, and I really want to dive a little deeper into your mindset and how you kind of came about this. Mm-hmm. So, so we're going to go way back. Okay. All right. Go. Here we go. If I can Let's remember it. it. Okay. So <laughs> when I, so we'll talk about like when you were a kid, what your interests were, mm-hmm. and then we'll kind of go through the different phases. Okay. Um, so I always wonder, okay, architecture, the type of work that you do is awesome. Like I see your Instagram pictures, like beautiful homes. How, how do you get there? Like, what were your interests growing up as a kid? Like, let's just say grade school to like middle school. What did, what did you play around with? Yeah, so the thing I did the most was draw. Um, kind of an analogy for me was a lot of my friends, you know, of course I like going out and playing football and basketball and everything, but I was more the artsy kid, less the jock. You know, I wasn't a very – I can play, but I'm not, you know, I'm not that good at it at any sport. But um, – my father, uh, I would ask him instead of buying me, you know, like basketball and all those kinds of things, uh, he would bring home reams of paper for me to draw on. That was like one of the best presents he could bring me. And so he'd literally bring home reams of paper and I would just sit there and draw on those. Sometimes I'd work on a drawing for maybe three or four days straight. You know, for a young kid, that's a little intense for the concentration, the same drawing for three days. So I really love drawing and, um, kind of got to be known in school as, you know, the kid who was a little bit of the artist. So, you know, whenever there was a project and it needed a little art, you know, everybody tried to vie in to get me on their team. You're the guy. Kind of, yeah, it was kind of fun. Um, and then I also love to to build uh, either, you know, of course, you're a kid, you start with blocks and things and have the, the Legos and all those kinds of things. But um, I'd go outside a lot, spend a lot of time outside when I was a kid and um, we built just things with sticks, you know, just build structures and all that it was a lot of fun spatially. I, I really enjoyed that. And um, I remember, well, my mother, I don't really remember it, but my mother always told me back when I started in, in kindergarten, when I was a little kid, about four or five years old, um, one of the first assignments the teacher gave us was to draw our house. And so I drew a house. Um, of course, it was a four or five year old, so it had the chimney sort of angled on the roof to the side with the swirly smoke coming out. But I had over to the side, I had a little, uh, the teacher didn't know what it was. She asked, but I, there was these two little things sticking up over what appeared to be like a fence. And I said, that's a fence. And that's my dog behind the fence jumping up on the fence with its paws. That's my dog's <laughs> paws. And so she said, wow, you know, children this age aren't spatially aware like that they don't usually think like that so she told my mother that um, that she thought I was exceptional about spatial awareness and my mother always reminded me of that story and as a matter of fact I put that picture on Instagram there's a picture on my Instagram page of that drawing my mother saved it I saw that, that, that was very recently you put that up. Yeah, right? it was pretty yeah. recently. And then there's another one I put up there uh, maybe a few weeks ago, and it's a picture of me I drew in k- kindergarten when I was five years old, and it's a picture of me standing behind a table holding up a drawing of a house like I'm presenting it to somebody. <laughs> so I guess maybe I knew something back then. I'm not 100% did, did sure. Did you know that this realm <laughs> of work was available um, at that you know, I, I didn't really know a lot about architecture until I was in uh, seventh grade. I had a friend of mine um, and uh, he, at school, 
and um, we got to be good friends, and I'd go over to his house and hang out, and um, when I went to his house, I realized it wasn't like every other house. You know, I grew up in a regular neighborhood in a regular place, you know, and this house was really different. It had big glass in it, and, you know, and he takes me through the house, and then he said, uh, let me show you this is the best part. We go down into the sort of the lower part of the house. I thought it was the basement. We go down, there's a swimming pool inside in this thing. Um, and I was like, oh, whoa, what is this? And he goes, well, you know, my dad's an architect. So he designed this house. And I said, wow, that's really cool. You know, I, I, you know so I talked to his father a little bit. He was a really nice man. And um, he, he told me a little bit about architecture. And I got kind of interested at that point. Um, and then there was another home in my neighborhood that an architect had designed that was on the side of a hill looking down into the woods, a little creek down there at the bottom with big glass walls, kind of a mid-mod kind of house. And uh, I was just like, oh, it was so amazing and so fascinating. And my friends would be off playing and doing their thing. I was just walking through the house looking. So I guess I was kind of drawn to it at an early age, but I didn't really quite connect it until I met that architect. Wow, that's so cool. Yeah. I want to know if this this uh, talent you identified early on and did it, did you cultivate it and develop it into the point where when you were a junior the other kids wanted like fake IDs and you were you were designing those? <laughs> no, I didn't get into that kind of trouble, Rich. You know, I was always a good kid. No, I I didn't do that. Um no, but um <laughs> it was um it was uh, a lot of fun, you know, being able to contribute to projects at school with my friends and everything. And um, one project I remember I did in, I believe it was probably about seventh grade, we decided a friend of mine uh, came and he goes, we want to work on this project together. And it was this di diorama, which is like this big, huge drawing. And we went down to the grocery store and we asked the butcher for some of that long paper, you know, they wrap all the meat in. We rolled this thing out. It was like eight feet long. And we drew this whole... I drew most of it, this whole little scene that covered the entire uh, eight-foot paper. Wow. And they hung it up in the hallway in the school and everything. How it was really it fun. Uh, it took us, a, it, it took us a, uh, probably about four days wow. to do it. Yeah. It was really a lot of fun, though. Yeah. That's awesome. Yeah. So then, uh, you know, you kind of talk about middle school and all that. And then uh, I imagine in, in high school, you, you really got into it. Yeah, I got into it more, but actually, you know what? I strayed in high school because I also love life science is something I'm really pretty passionate about and interested in. So I kind of got seventh grade. I remember I wrote a report as one of those kind of what do you want to do when you grow up kind of things. And I wrote I wanted to be an architect, you know, and I wrote that in seventh grade. I was all about it. And then I got to high school and I started to get exposed to especially biology. I really love biology class. So. I got over into life science. I, I changed my mind. I decided when I went to college, I, I entered college actually at, in uh, pre-med is what I thought I wanted oh. to do. Um, so I went through a year. Uh, I went to Clemson for a year in pre-med. And then um, I got into organic chemistry. And that was the end of pre-med for me <laughs> because uh, I... My professor was like, uh, I don't know, maybe you need to find something else. <laughs> hey, kid, that, you're not yeah. cut out for this. That's, so. that's exactly what turned us to PVC sales. <laughs> yeah, right. 
So I remember uh, back then, uh, this was in the early 80s, so of course we didn't have computers, the internet, any of that stuff. So what they would give you to pick your classes was this big, thick catalog, and it had every class that the university offered in it. And um, after my first year of school, I got a phone call from my father that said, um, look, I don't know what's going on down there, but your grades are not very good, and um, if they don't get better, you're not going to be down there much longer. So I picked up this book. I said, I've got to find some classes that I can take and get my grades up. And I found this class listed as graphic art. I said, oh, well, I, I, I can do that. I can pick up a quick A, you know, get my GPA up. So I went down to the, and it was at the College of Architecture. So I went down there. I took the class. I got an A in it. And the professor said, do you ever think about architecture? You know, you've got, kind of got talent. And I said, well, you know, actually, when I was young, I did. But I kind of gave up on it. And so, well, maybe you ought, to, you ought to think about it again. So actually, with the help of that professor and a couple of other folks down there, they helped me sort of sneak in the back door into the architecture school. So I ended up going to summer school. Um, this was the summer of my, I guess, after my freshman year. Actually, it was after my sophomore year. I went to summer school, and um, they let me in the architecture program. Wow. Yeah. That's quite the story there. Yeah. That's awesome. And now you're here uh, yeah. building these, you know, constructing and designing um, these amazing homes. Like, how did you go from there to, to being where you are? I know there's probably so much in between of learning and growth. Yeah. That was, you a, know. That was a long road and a lot of gray hair. But, um, <laughs> yeah, it, it was um, uh, when I graduated from school was in the mid-'80s, and um, – we were coming out of a little bit of an economic issue at that time, and um, Charleston. Uh, I came to look for look for a job here with an architect, and I couldn't get a job. This was in 1985. Charleston was still a little bit slow. Some other areas of the of the country were coming back, but Charleston was a little bit slow. So I actually went to Atlanta and worked for two years. A friend of mine had kind of gotten a gig at this company that. And all they did was design architectural fountains. Wow. So like water fountains? Water fountains, yeah. Oh. So I worked for this company for a couple of years, and we worked with, uh, it, this was in the 80s, so, you know, every hotel had a fountain in the lobby. Sure. And, you know, every shopping mall had a fountain in it. And then we also did projects for, like, um, uh, Disney World. So down at Epcot, if you've ever been there, they have the, the kids play in the little popping water fountains. You know, the company I worked with did those. And then the, out on the barge, they had a giant fireworks and fountain show. Um, the company did that. All that program ran on a Macintosh 2, by the way. <laughs> which <laughs> like was a kinda, brick, isn't it? Yeah, yeah it's kind of <laughs> interesting. All on solenoid valves that the computer would turn on and off and everything. So it was a very interesting. But, but what I got to do in that was... Um, they got me up to the point where I got to travel a little bit and go to some of these big architecture firms. And I'm meeting with these architects who are working on these massively huge projects. And then here comes a kid wanting to come and talk about the fountain, which is the funnest part. So they were all happy to see me. They would take me to lunch and they talked to me and talked a lot about architecture. And it kind of got me really getting the bug to get back into it. And then kind of what, what, what um, really brought it to the point of, me being an architect and getting to Charleston was that girl I had met at Clemson. We decided to get married. She's now my wife of, oh gosh, I better get the number right. We've been together for 40 years. I <laughs> Good didn't answer. know that. Um, uh, we started dating 40 years ago. Um, that uh, she was here. She had a good job. And so I, um, 
I said, you know what? I think I want to try to look at Charleston again. Let's give it another chance. You know, I was, I was here a couple of years ago, couldn't get a job. The market seemed better. So, um, actually people were advertising, looking for help. And, um, uh, a gentleman, uh, ran an ad, uh, looking for an intern architect, which I replied to. Um, and, uh, he hired me. It was a very small firm. Uh, he had just him and one other person and the, the, the person was leaving to go to grad school. So he goes, I need to replace, you know, I need to replace him. Um, and he hired me and, uh, he was a pretty amazing person. He passed away about uh, five, six years ago now, but was a really amazing, uh, mentor. Um, and he would take on any kind of project, any size, didn't scare him at all. Um, we worked together on just incredible number of projects, just two of us. And we were all hand drawing back then. So it was quite an adventure uh, and learning from him. So I would say he kind of really taught me the ropes. And he taught me a lot about how the business works, how you interact with contractors, how you interact with engineers and, and third party folks, how you get approvals, how all that work so people i know you learn a lot in school but i know the old adage is you really learn a lot more when you get out of school yeah. and that's what i did too that's amazing yeah, yeah. wow now like some of the homes out there are incredible yeah they are so when you design something you have to look at obviously the the location the elements it gets pretty hot here yeah it does um and then the sun's beating and then there's water there's salt water coming yep. in like how do you I mean, I can only imagine building materials has progressed so much. So incredibly. Yeah. So how do you, what, what goes into building such a, um, not only a massive home, but also a home that's going to last that, mm -hmm. I mean, I'm sure your clientele, you know, are very specific as well. Yeah. Like, how do you manage all that? Well, um, usually when we're approached about doing a, a big custom home like this, and we don't always know if it's big, usually our clients are going to tell us, okay, we want you to design a home around this big. Um, and I always try to draw them bigger and they always try to make them smaller. But anyway, um, we sort of look at the setting of the house, the area where the house is being built, and we ask them for any reference photos they have of the style that they're looking for. We get their program, we call it. We sort of write down what they're looking for as a number of bedrooms, bathrooms, counts like that. And then I tell them, I said, look, you know, once we're in a working relationship together, there's some things I'm going to ask you kind of about the way you function every day that maybe you don't want everybody in the world to know, but I have to know, you know. Um, so we get into kind of personally how they live their lives every day and find out, you know, does one get up early and go read or go work a little bit? The other one sleeps late. You know, it's just little habits and things like that. So we delve deep into that kind of stuff. And then it's kind of a default here as far as the materials go. I pretty much just ask them the question, and it's always up on a tee. Hey, you want a low-maintenance house, right? Oh, of course we want a low-maintenance house. You know, we, we live in this sort of, terrarium of funky humid funk here you know yeah and so the idea is that look we now have access to materials that will survive this and um i don't really disclose all of it at the beginning but i i reach a point in time when i'm starting to get into the detailing of the house and i'll say look let's now take a deep dive into this materials let's talk about what we can get for you um, how it can be installed, how it can look. And um, 
it ends up being a very constructive process because what, what I'm telling the my clients is I want you to be involved in these decisions because I want you to understand what you're putting into your house. I want you to understand where your investment's going. And I always say, look, you might spend some money here starting this thing out, but take that maintenance cycle. You know, you paint a big house out here, you're talking multiple tens of thousands of dollars just to paint the house. So I talk about the longevity of these materials and how you can really knock down these cycles of maintenance. They start to see that delta then. They start to see how that saving comes in. And I said, you know, you, you credit yourself a couple of maintenance cycles. You're paying for that difference and then some. So it's um, surprising the number of clients who are actually interested in building science. Um, and it, it is the materials. And then we go in, of course, down past the layers. We talk about the vapor barrier systems, the insulation systems, the wall systems, the roof systems, and all that kind of stuff. But um the things that they're most interested in are the things they're going to see, right? So uh, Versatex has been a great product for us to talk about because of the fact that, well, most people obviously are oriented to an understanding of wood, right? And so, you know, everybody grew up in a house with wood siding on it or wood trim on it, and everybody can relate to it. So my quick introduction to Versatex is, I've got something that can look like any kind of wood you've ever seen, but you don't have to maintain it like wood. You know, I mean, it's, and, and I'll show them some examples and they're instantly sold. It kind of sells itself. Let's talk about that. Cause I know John Pace is like awesome. Like, yeah. And he talks highly of you um, every time. He's I, a great guy. Yeah. Like, how did that relationship come about? I don't know if you have anything to add, Rich, to that. But how did that relationship come about? I had, I had an interesting uh, – I'm adjusting this thing in case it feels like it's hitting me. Okay, got it. Um, so I got invited to go up to the plant in, in um, Pittsburgh. Or Al- El Equipa. Yeah. Al Equipa, I want to say that right. Um so they brought us up there, and it was like, you know, snowy day. We landed at the airport. I was getting my picture taken with a Franco Harris, you know, <laughs> statue there and everything. That was really cool. And um, we went out to the plant. And um, John, you know, is such a, a, a personable guy. He, like, starts to giving the tour himself, you know. And I was like, I nudged one of the guys who took us up there. I said, is it, who's this guy? I said, it's the president of the company. And I was like, he's giving us a tour he gave us an in-depth tour you know i was like wow he is really into this like he loves what he does so i have a saying i tell everybody all all the young people who work with me my kids everybody i can talk to if you meet somebody who is passionate about what they do spend time with them you know you're going to have an amazing experience because you're going to start to see something and understand about something you may know nothing about. And when they're passionate about it, they explain it in such an incredible way. And John was one of those guys. So he started that during the day. And then we, we went out to supper with him that night. We're all sitting around this big giant table and everybody's just sort of talking and socializing. John pulls out this piece of caulk, you know, he's like, check out what we're testing in engineering. And he's stretching this caulk, you know, he's talking, talking about the, the, the strength of the, <laughs> and I was like, he is into it. <laughs> <laughs> I 
So we spent a good bit of time after that just talking. And I asked him about his business, how he got it started. I asked him, you know, how did you get this equipment, you know? Um, you know, how does this line work? How does the, you know, all these kinds of things. And he was just so detailed. Um, but the thing that he instilled really most and what I, what I got out of it was his attention to wanting to make the best quality of what he was doing. So you got a passionate person who's driven to make the best quality thing. And that's what really locked it down. I said, you know, John, you know, I'm, I'm on board. You know, I'm on board with, with specifying. He explained all the differences in his material, why it was made different. Um, and then we started talking about, well, I, of course, being the architect, as architects do, we're kind of known to go, hey, can you make this yet? Have you decided, have you looked into making that yet? You know, I'm thinking of all these options where I can use the material. And he put some things into R&D and actually produced those uh, at a little bit of, I would say, a, a nudge from me. I'm sure other people had talked to him about it, but it was like almost sort of a custom-made product that I felt like I had a little bit of input on, you know, and we actually now have it out in the field doing its thing. So that was just extremely cool to me to have uh, the guy who's really the top-level guy take interest in just people coming in to find out about, you know, what he was doing. That's so cool. Uh, he's just a really amazing guy, yeah. And he is uh, just a good friend now. Now, I was warned when I started with Versatex, which was shortly before that trip, Capers would say, all right, when you get John in the field, he won't say no. So you have to kind of manage what he what he hears, what they ask him. And, then, and when he gets back here, he'll spend yeah. a week working on something yeah. that might not go anywhere. So yeah. see what you – you know, try to – Try to make sure it's a it's a good idea. Yeah. Yeah. Well, you know that you can tell when you when you bring things up and they're an idea, you can see the wheels start turning. For sure. Sure. Yeah. Definitely. He's got his notebook constantly. So. <laughs> I would add this, Brian, that at about that time, uh, as we were scheduling the trip to Pittsburgh to Aliquippa with this group that Bill was a part of, we had done presentations. We had explained the difference oh, of Versatex, yeah. and we had we had talked about all the. Um, all the specifics of the concentricity of cells and the tolerance and the, the finish, um, the, the paint adhesion because of the finish and all these things. And Bill had heard that. And if, if I'm right in my memory, before you came to Aliquippa, you went to another PVC plant. And my recollection is that you were kind of grilling them based on what you knew. And then when you saw what you saw there, then came to Versatex, then it sort of took that next step to the relationship that we I have. I think that is the right sequence, Rich. I can't quite remember. I did go to another plant and um, I did know enough to ask them, you know, how they made it and what they did. And I realized it was, it was different. And then while we were in that plant, um, I could see some of the product coming down the line and you could even see it sort of almost had porous kind of sponge type texture to it and I was like wow that doesn't look like something I'd really want to put on a on one of my projects because you know I mean what we spec comes back on us too so I'm pretty cautious at vetting the things that we specify and um, I also noticed in that plant too they happen to be doing a lot of other things they had some vinyl going on in there they were making some siding they're making a lot of things so the PVC production line was just this one thing over in the corner, you know? So in contrast, when we get to Versatex, there's nothing going on there but Versatex. And um, the the place was super clean. And it was 
pleasantly warm in there and John lets us know that the equipment is heating the building. You know, there's snow on the ground outside and I was like, wow, you know, so the efficiency of it. And then he talked about the recycling and just how much of the material is re it was pretty amazing. And I was like, well, and then we went up to the top on the tower there by the hopper, you know, and just the entire process of seeing how it was made. And I, you're right. I was able to see, wait, wait a minute. That's like going from like, you know, if you had some greasy garage in the back of a gas station putting a car together to going to like, you know, Mercedes plant, that was almost the contrast to me. You know, I was into to something that was efficient. It was, everything was managed. It was computerized and all that stuff. I'm not saying the guys were that bad, but it was almost felt like that kind of contrast to me. So I realized that, um, not all PVC is the same. And, you're right. I hear these things when people say and talk, and you guys taught us a lot of stuff, but I'm a visual thinker, right? Sure. So it didn't hit me until I saw it, saw it being made, saw it rolling off the line, how different it was and the quality of it, you know, the, the, the how crisp and clean and white it was, you know, everything. What's so interesting to me is this is our weird little world and we're trying to accentuate these differences. And they exist, but not everybody cares. Yeah. And so I'd play a lot more golf if I had 10 Bill Hughes in Charleston. <laughs> we'd, have, we would be, we'd be farther ahead than we are. But we do appreciate it, and, and I think you know that over all the years. And it's really cool when, when you work for the Mercedes of the industry mm -hmm. and you work so hard to develop a market and to sell the story. And so when it's received and it's understood and it's put into action, like some of the projects that we saw today, Brian, um, it, it's exciting. It makes it much more fun. Yeah, it does. And, you know, it, it, to me, when you reach that level of understanding about what the product is and what's going on with it, I just get the mindset of why isn't this thing almost selling itself, you know. But it's guys like Rich um, that have to get out there and and let even architects know, you know, we're, we have to know about all these different parts and pieces of houses and of which Versatex is one part. And actually you could say in the grand scheme, a smaller part, absolutely, but, uh, a really important part. And, um, I, when I see it being made and, and, and I can tell the quality of that's done, I've got, John telling me that they've written very specific manuals of installation, you know, the problems he's telling the pros and the cons of PVC material as well. You know, the issues of the thermal movement and all those types of things, the, the install methods and all those types of things. So it just let me know that they had gone deeper into not just producing a good product, a very good product, but also how to get that installed and have it looking the way it's supposed it, to is work. that the process that you kind of go with with all most of the building materials that you spec because that's a lot of materials you're, you're talking about here yeah and you know the primary ones we focus on are usually having to do with the integrity of the envelope of the house sure. um so yeah we actually do vet our materials pretty hard um and granted the our introduction to the materials would be somebody coming in and telling us about their materials. So you might say, okay, well, there's a sales sales angle to that, right? But um, I'll ask just a few pointed questions usually and get straight to the technical. And um, yeah, we've at 
especially enveloped materials really hard. Yeah. Um, and now I, the other resource I use, um, I have some builders that I really rely on as being good sources because they're intangibles that architects would never understand. It might be things happening in the field. It is that installation process. Like I don't, I wouldn't know everything about that. Or it might be cost issues, availability issues, all those things that I sitting in an office here wouldn't know. So I talk to builders about things like that too, because when I present something to a client, I don't want to present something that's, you know, you can't get it or it's just inordinately expensive or just there's something going on with it that I wouldn't know about being in this office. So uh, I rely on uh, a few very good builders that I know um, for also helping me vet information. Yeah, definitely. And the communication and then on a project that is so huge and so many moving parts. We are at a project today and in most cases there's so much going on, yeah. you know, it's yeah. like the, the communication, like there's crazy. You're probably on your phone, things popping up, different projects you're, you're trying to start, continue and finish. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, that's incredible. Especially these days. Yeah. yeah. So, um, we'll wrap it out here and I really want to end on, you know, Bill Hughes associates as an architect, team like as far as like your projects and, and what i've seen is there like a specific you know design that you you like to leave your mark on in your homes is there like you know the special sauce that <laughs> that you're like hey i'm gonna uh add this piece or is it just hey you know i, I really just want to take care of our clients and make sure they have what they ha they really want yeah it's primarily it is client driven so a lot of people ask me hey man what's your style you know well my style is what my clients want and actually we love the variety and another reason I'm good to be in Charleston, right? So I can deal with, uh, you know, I've worked on a home, pre-revolutionary home, you know, um, and then to be able to turn around, come back to the office and work on a brand new house, you know, out on Kiowa, for example. Um, so I, I made most of my living during the, or beginning of, I'm still making my living, but I made most of my mark during the call it the 90s period that was sort of the neo-traditional movement so i've kind of been branded as kind of a traditionally themed architect which is maybe a little more heavier on trim uh accents details like that which don't really scare me um and uh i'm okay going out doing that but um we we are getting into more modern mode i have younger people who work with me and they're not interested in doing the same old tired stuff yeah. i've been doing so we're trying to get more modern we're doing things with bigger glass bigger you know bigger things like that and um i'm i'm loving that too yeah so, yeah so i guess also like what, what do you love about charleston like, what is it about this place? Yeah, you, you know, there's some, a little bit of romance in your life here. You yeah, know? yeah. Um, but what, what, what is it when you're talking about your line of work? Um, well, it's just an opportunity to be exposed to so many different things, you know. Um, and I do love the historic aspect of what's going on. I'm actually, I'm a sitting member of the Board of Architectural Review for the city of Charleston right now. So, and it's our charge for, you know, everyone who's presenting projects in the city to come and get, a review you know mm -hmm. make sure everything everything is looking good um it's a fun job but um 
that's a that's a big draw. You know, Charleston is one of those cities you study in school, the buildings you study in school. And then when you're able to understand a style of architecture and physically go and actually work on a building of that style. And the really cool part of it is when you're working on it and you're able to get in there and see how they built it back then, you know, and everybody says, well, we built so much better now. Well, we do build better now, but I'm, I'm standing a building that's 200 years old. So it's kind of done its duty too. <laughs> you know, give it a little Incredible. credit. So it's kind of that. And I've actually taken some of those old details and old things and actually been able to meld those into some modern uh, um, projects, which very is kind of cool. cool too. That's very cool. Yeah. So I would say what I do is I do have a little bit of, some detailing that I do that um, now my clients have picked up on it. They call it, you know, so it's Bill Huey detail here or there, you know, little things like that. But, um, you know, the best part is to make sure that the clients feel like they got the house they wanted and have them happy. And, um, you know, when they move into their house and then they invite us over there to spend time with them and then they give us a tour like we're just seeing it for the first time. You mm-hmm. know, they're so proud of it. They walk us through it. Which is really fun. That's amazing. Yeah, it's a well, lot of fun. Do you have anything, to, Rich? Um, nope. I just appreciate yeah. what you're doing for us and, yeah, and appreciate you as a person. Yeah. Yeah, thank you. Yeah, this has been a great conversation, and I hope you know people listening in can hear this. And you know, I'm always trying to reach out to all sorts of people interested in different passion, and architecture uh, is is a huge part of this industry. You know. And, yeah. And hopefully uh, that inspires someone to kind of hit you up too. That right? <laughs> um, yeah, yeah. It's uh, it's a great profession. Um, and, you know, I get tired sometimes, but um, then I draw back and say, man, it's it's something I really love to do. You know, the chance to create and do this for a living is awesome. Well, it's been a pleasure. Thank you so much. Thank you. Appreciate yeah. it. Good to see you. Thank you.